0: Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. And it has been a a while since we got together and did a Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. And this time it's not because we hated the shows we were watching. It had everything to do with the fact that uh, life got in the way. Just too much stuff going on. In fact, you know, Paul... Oh, you know, you're out there doing that running stuff again. I did. And my wife, you know, I previously shared was, uh, you know, going through uh, uh, chemotherapy for uh, Mm -hmm. cancer. And uh, she is uh, has achieved remission and uh, she is post chemo and she's starting to feel better. And she said to me the other night, I would like to run with Paul.
1: What? And that's exciting to me.
0: And I said, I said, really, how would that look? Uh, you know, much because, you know, my wife, like myself, is not built for running. And uh, hmm. she said, well, I figured, you know, we'd get one of those little red wagons and he could pull me along. <laughs> oh. And I said I said, on, I, said, I said, I said, I said, no, wait a minute. Those those American Flyers, you know, there's no back support in those. They're kind of uncomfortable. What you need is a rickshaw. And so <laughs> uh, she, she would like for on your next run – to pull her along in one of those rickshaw carts.
1: You know, when the story started. It's <laughs> like, "Yes, I will
0: gladly
1: come to Texas and and Mrs. Mrs. Head and I will will go for a nice walk. Uh-huh. You know, we'll find some type of charity thing. Uh-huh. You know that we can enjoy together, and I'll walk it with her or run it with her, whatever she wants to do. Yeah. This, um, is a, this is this is all great.
0: Then... But, but she she wants a cart involved. <laughs> yeah. but, but then you mentioned all the other things. Yeah, you're yeah. Like, hmm. yeah. And well, and I recommended like a riding crop. You know, so if you're if she you, you needs you to pick up the speed or really you know take a hill, crack. You know, (laughs) (laughs) because
1: that always works well. Because running isn't painful enough to my 40-something-year-old body.
0: I I have (laughs) to tell you, it's more pain. She shared this with me over breakfast the other day, and I've been giggling ever since. She's like, Are you going to tell him? I said, Absolutely, I'm going to tell him. And she's like, oh, "Are you going? Are you going? We're recording. Are you going to do it on a podcast? Oh, absolutely! I'm going to do it on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, warp speed, Paul. Crack.
1: So I have that to look forward to. That's
0: right. That's right. So everything you said, you're going to come to Texas. We'll, we'll find some kind of, you know, charity 5K or something, and then you'll just, you know, pull Suzanne along in a rickshaw with a mm-hmm. riding mm-hmm. crop. Crack." <laughs> <laughs> Dear listener,
1: you don't hear me agreeing to this. Just putting this out there. <laughs> uh, good time. time. Uh, so, so before we were podcasting, Aaron, Uh-oh. I, I mean, not no, like we've been in podcasting
0: general. for like over not, twelve years. So, not in
1: life. Oh, okay. you know, no. Tonight, oh, so before okay. we were podcasting okay. this evening. Okay. Uh, you know, we, we 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 are talking very much on the show about. Paramount Plus shows. We've mentioned Yellowstone in our upcoming Yellowstone podcast oh, that's that eventually... Jelly st- that's a Jellystone. Jelly Jellystone. Yeah. You know, it, it only took us a month to put together this one episode of Star Trek. I'm sure we have time for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. Yeah, just put that right in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, before we were watching this, I was watching an HBO Max... Uh, television show. And I, I actually don't think it's exclusive to HBO Max. I think it's on HBO and just happens to be on HBO Max. It's a show called Succession. Mm-hmm. And Aaron, have you seen this show?
0: I have not. I am familiar with it.
1: It it is quite enjoyable in a, you know, dirty kind of way. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it's not particularly, you know, despite being on HBO, there's not particularly any amount of sex or or anything like that. But it's it's bad people doing bad things. Um, You know, long story short, it's it's very much um, a metaphor for like Rupert Murdoch and his family. Right. Super enjoyable show. Lots of fun. Dark humor all around, if you like that kind of thing.
0: I've heard really good things about it. I've just never watched
1: it. I I, I quite enjoy it. But, you know, it occurred to me as I was watching this, and I was like, hmm. I mean, this is a long way of going around to Star Trek, because this isn't actually Star Trek related. I was like, you know what? You It would be interesting if there was some type of, like, first family Star Trek type show. You know, some type of Mm -hmm. Star Trek type show that focused on, you know, perhaps – I don't know, the heads of Starfleet, that type of family, (laughs) you know, something like that, you know, I don't know, like, you know, there's there's all sorts of, of, of potentials in that universe. And it occurred to me as I had this thought, that I stopped myself, mid thought, and I realized, hmm, you know, Star Trek, when they first came out to Paramount+, especially after the initial success of Star Trek Discovery, there was this whole promise of exploring different assets of the Star Trek universe. We're going to have a session 13 show. Yeah. We're going to have all these new things, you know, that 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 you've never seen before. And, you know, all these Star Trek show, all these Star Trek movies that have started and stopped, you know, there was one about, um, that was kind of an offshoot of, like, that secret agent guy. Um, they did a whole comic series about him. Oh, you mean the Gary Seven comic book? I do. Yeah, yeah. Gary Seven. Um, you know, and it occurred to me, you know, as I thought about this, you know, all you know, like it would be great to have some type of different type of Star Trek programming that really they don't do that. You know, there's a lot of talk about shows set in the Star Trek universe that are not about space exploration or Starfleet specifically, or Starfleet, Starfleet specifically. Yeah, but it never comes to fruition. The only things that come to fruition are those based around specifically Starfleet and you know space exploration. And the only exception to that rule was Deep Space Nine, which halfway through the series they introduced um, the Defiant, right? Yeah, the Defiant, so that they could leave the station and go explore space. Right. For me, and I'm, perhaps the connotation of Star Trek, right, is that you have to trek through the stars. Right? You know, like like in Star Wars, you have to have a show set in Tatooine. There's just this expectation. Um, so maybe with Star Trek, the expectation is you can't have a Star Trek show or show set in that universe unless it is about Starfleet, starships, doing stuff. But I find that, for me, I don't know. I feel like I would watch a show perhaps with set in the universe, loosely connected, Mm -hmm. you know, perhaps with cameos or set up or you would see on the television in the background. Here's the latest, you know, um, adventure featuring Christopher Pike and his crew, you know, Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, kind of thing. But they they don't do that. And, you know, I'm wondering your thoughts on that, Aaron. You know, do do you think that it's because they, they feel like there's not an audience
0: for it? I think that there's still burn a little bit from the Deep Space Nine experience in that, you know, everyone used to say, you know, look, it's uh, you know Deep Space Nine where you boldly sit here and wait for things to come to you Uh, versus looking at it in what a story rich environment it was and how successful Deep Space Nine was in telling stories set in the same location week after week versus, you know, uh, traveling. Right. And, you know, being somewhere new every day. Yeah. And I think that, you know, honestly, I think that is part of what's wrong with Discovery um, and really later era Star Trek, uh, like like in, for instance, the uh, Next Generation movies. And what I'm, what I'm getting at is when you stick too much within settled space, you know, the Federation. Um, mm mm-hmm. It becomes very much, uh, you know, uh, what's going on in the neighborhood. Um, and a lot of times, you know, the, the way the writers create drama is creating something stinky in Starfleet, right? Or the Federation. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had that in in uh, uh, Star Trek Insurrection, right? You had that, you certainly had that in, you know... Uh, uh, Later, later era. Uh, yeah. And the
1: Abrams for, yeah, you know, the, thank the you. Calvin I'm sorry. I, certainly I, had
0: that. Yeah. But I mean, you know, that, I, I think that becomes kind of a problem. Now, in the original series, I always enjoyed the dynamics of the Federation, like uh, Journey to Babel, where you got to see, you know, a diplomatic conference. Um, but so many times, and this is one of those those things that drives me crazy, when we meet other Starfleet officer officers, they're incompetent. Uh, You know, we we always have to show that the only competent starship is the one that we're focused on. Uh, And I really wish that we could see, you know, the level of competency in in the other Starfleet crews. Um, I think you could arguably, you know, uh, you, you could argue that that's okay in Discovery because Starfleet fell apart for so long. But it certainly is irritating to see that Michael Burnham is the only person who can handle a situation. You know, that she's the only one who can handle, you know, the the crisis of the moment. Um, And we're certainly going to talk about that when we talk about Discovery here in a minute. But to your point, you know, the promise of Star Trek in modern Star Trek has been, you know, you can have a Star Trek story anywhere. For the longest time, it was pitched that, you know, we were going to get a Khan Noonien Singh, you know. Oh, that's right. The
1: prequel.
0: Yeah, that was going to be, you know, that was going to be a show run by uh, Nicholas Meyer. And, of course, nothing happened with that. Um, You know, we hear that there's going to be a Section 31 or a Michelle Yeoh-focused show. Nothing's happened with that. But I think the reality is, is that you don't have to have the weekly, boldly going of exploration. That is certainly the core of Star Trek, but I think you could do anything. I have long argued for a Klingon-focused show. I would love to see a show that really delves deep into in, in the Klingon character uh, beyond you know what we've seen, particularly in Deep Space Nine and somewhat Next Generation, but I think that could be a lot of fun. You just would not be able to do some of the... Stereotypical Klingon stuff, you'd actually have to invest in, in the world building. And, you know, maybe the way yeah. you make that more palatable is, you know, it's a show that, you know, it's a sector of space that neighbors, you know, the Klingon Empire, the Romulan Empire, and the Federation, and you've got communities that have to work with one another. You know, the, the, original, the original pitch for Star Trek was wagon train to the stars. You don't have to have a Federation crew to do that. You know, it could be any number of different vehicles. I, don't, I didn't mean that as a pun. It could be any number <laughs> of different ways you do that. You know, it could it can be gun smoke. It could be, you know, any number of different ways to tell these stories. I, you know, I think Lower Decks is doing a great job of being a, a comedy in the Star Trek universe. You know, I think that really demonstrates the different types of shows, the different types of subgenres you can have in Star Trek storytelling. Yeah, but it's still the same type of
1: show, right? I mean, despite the fact that it has a different tone, it's Mm -hmm. still the same type of show. Right. And I think one of the things that I, I would have an interest in, you know, test the waters, do, you know, a four part series and. Yeah, actually, like you said, the con thing would have been interesting, but there, are, mm-hmm. there's a Klingon-based show, which they they have talked about that mm-hmm. in the past. They've talked about Starfleet Academy. Even that feels like okay, we're Earthbound. You know, there, there's potential there for for a different kind of drama than just yeah. Exp, you know the, the drama we get by exploring unknown you know territories these strange new worlds um and i feel like I, I would be interested you know you mentioned the klingons what about a, you know a klingon on earth an adopted klingon you know and then being you know the culture embracing him or vice versa i don't know it, it just feels like there's for me it's interesting that despite all the talk that it's never come to fruition and yeah. you know not to make this about star wars but star wars has has done a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. They have dabbled, you know. We 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 had the the Mandalorian, you know, to, to much success. Now it still very much dabbled in the storyline of the Star Wars movies um, as a you know a takeoff. But you know, I felt like there was it, it's still something different than you would see in. in in what you would normally expect from a Star Wars movie, and I feel like everything we see in Star Trek is is exactly what we would expect yeah. from a Star Trek show. Yeah. So I don't know. Just just putting it out there. It, it just occurred to me again while I was watching this show that it would be interesting to see, almost like a Caprica esque mm-hmm. show set in the Star Trek universe.
0: Well, you know, there was a there was a great comic book years ago uh, by John Byrne for IDW. Uh, He both wrote and drew it. And it was essentially, you know, uh, Dr. Uh, Bones McCoy, uh, Frontier Doctor. So it was kind of like, you know, Dr. McCoy, medicine woman, (laughs) you know, and it was him doing frontier medicine across space. And it was great. It was like four or six issues long. And it was terrific. I could see something like that. Uh, I could very much see a scenario, you know, the, the the original pitch for the Gary Seven spinoff series that we never got uh, based out of the yeah. original series episode, Assignment Earth. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. I, I think there's a lot there. I just think that the folks who have the power at Paramount uh, Studios see that the successful Star Trek shows are the ones with, with ships going to different places
1: fair and scraps you know you need a bit of
0: you need a bit of slush Uh
1: fund and and in order to take risks and i don't think star trek necessarily has that in the same way other franchises do that can take some more risks
0: well but you know i i have to point out you know you're right i i think they are they are risk averse and they didn't even see the benefit of doing strange new worlds until fans just essentially said you have got to do this you know, I mean, we all thought that it was kind of a backdoor pilot for a, you know, Captain Pike Enterprise show when he was on, on the uh, second season of Discovery. Yeah. And it really wasn't intended to be. No. First. And it just blows my mind that it took him as long as it has to stand that mm-hmm. up. I mean, it's crazy to me. So well, I, mean, I, it's- I, I it's- I take your point, Paul. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that there are lots of opportunities to tell different types of stories in the Star Trek universe. And there's any number in any of the various multitude of Star Trek, uh, 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 Star Trek series to find a spinoff idea in any one of those areas. I personally
1: then we're going to talk about some of those later on when we hit on disco and Picard. I think
0: I personally would love a Star Trek spinoff series that kind of combines some crews, like you know, uh, you know, this guy from you know Tuvok from Voyager is working with you know Doctor Bashir from Deep Space Nine. You know, I'd love for those guys that are still acting. I'd love to see them get back into it. You I agree know, I, I think that on, would be on, fun on Worf's ship. You know? That's right. That's right on Captain Wharf's ship. I'm just saying license to print money or, you know,
1: maybe I mean, we're basically pitching a show. That's what we're talking about. But
0: well, or you you could do your Klingon Empire show with with Worf being a diplomat. I mean, I I, I think I just want to see those guys again. I just want to see those guys again. And, you know, because
1: those are characters they don't revisit.
0: That's right. That's right. We never get to hear Mm -hmm. about them. But, you know, Mm -hmm. because I like to revisit characters, Paul, I have been reading a lot of Star Trek lately. Oh, okay. Uh, I read I read a book that's been out for uh, years and years and years. Actually, I think all three of these have uh, all four of these have Uh, Millennium, uh, the first book in that series that, you know, kind of carries on the Deep Space Nine story. Oh, Uh, yeah. Did you not read that already? I feel like you've
1: talked about that series before.
0: And I've read certain of the, you know, essentially, you know, season eight of the Deep Space Nine book, ah, that's
1: what I'm referring to. Yeah, never mind.
0: But okay. I never read the Millennium book that kind of kicked it all off. Uh, it was pretty good, wasn't great. You know, <laughs> it was all right. but but you know, I gotta say that's kind of my experience with Star Trek books is that uh, that most of the novels are good. They're not great. You know, they're they're they really. I feel like a lot of times these Star Trek novels do not embrace the medium, uh, and don't seek to tell you a different. Uh, type of story. They,
1: but do you feel like that's part of the house style that's commanded up them? Okay. I do, and I, but you and, know, like and, dictated to them.
0: And I think that the ones that are really good are the ones that break out of that. Um, that you know, I, 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 when I think back to some of the best Star Trek novels, they they don't follow that format. Uh, there was a book I want to say it was by Diane Carey called Best Destiny. Uh, that really, I mean, i just, I still hearken back to that book cause it was just so well done. Same thing with, uh, Vonda McIntyre's entropy effect, um, and prime directive by J.M. Dillard, I believe. But yeah, I read Millennium. It was fine. Uh, then I read Caretaker, which is the novelization of the, uh, two part, uh, season, uh, series premiere of Voyager. And it was actually really good. I, uh, I was like, you know, I'm really not much on a novelization guy, you know, but like I don't I'm I rarely am the guy who goes and picks up a book that was based on a movie. Uh, rarely. But, you know, I, I read it. I thought that was very entertaining. And they had some things in there that were not in the TV show that really helped, you know, develop the characters a little better. In fact, I'm like, you know. Tom Paris was never as cool in in Voyager as he is in this book, (laughs) you know, so I, I, I kind of felt that way a little bit. I read Mosaic, which is also a Voyager book, and it was an original novel. And what what I found fascinating about that is that elements of Mosaic are actually in the Captain Janeway autobiography. Because uh, so I was like, hey, I've heard I've, I've heard this story before, but it, you know, Captain Janeway recounts certain of these incidents in her autobiography, which which I thought was interesting. But Paul. The yes, book, sir. the the book I am reading right now, right this very minute now. In fact, I can barely pay attention to you because I'm reading this book.
1: It, it, it has nothing to do with the <laughs> book, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> it is Harlan Ellison's memoir of the many decades old battle between him, Gene Roddenberry, and Big Star Trek about his original script for City on the Edge of Forever. This book is. Fascinating. fascinating. It is just fascinating. And, you know, Harlan, folks, if you've never heard Harlan talk before, <laughs> he is as curmudgeonly as they come and he will, he'll argue with a fence post and he does that here. But, you know, the whole time I'm, I'm going, you know what? You were done wrong, my friend. I mean, all these many years I've kind of said, eh, you know, come on, Harlan. But yeah, I mean, and not done wrong because... Of the how the show was produced, but how Gene Roddenberry and Big Star Trek lied about him for decades, uh, and I, I, that's wrong. I mean, he proves he proves his point in the book. I mean, complete with produced uh, artwork and you know memos and whatnot. You know, catching people in lies. Uh, it's fascinating it's fascinating Uh, i highly recommend it you Hmm. check that out
1: well i you know i i have a hard time paying attention to
0: you aaron i I get it i get it yeah
1: because (laughs) because all i want to do is hang up on this call and watch star trek the motion picture of the director's cut in 4k i swear to god that that is not a true statement that that is that i gotta tell you
0: all day long yeah, you know, I was was working today, and I kept wanting to turn the TV on and just let it run in the background, but I never had time to do that. I am aching to watch me some uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture in four K, uh, the the director's cut, brought to four K resolution. I am stoked for this thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. As as of the time we we're recording this, it was I, I think it was it today. Dropped,
0: yeah, dropped today. Today, today, April whatever fifth because you know why Paul because it's first contact day. We're recording a Star trek podcast on first contact day. you know your your nerd balls just dropped. <laughs> they did And my voice raised
1: <laughs> but but that is not what it was indicative of
0: i I mean, I gotta tell you i uh I listened to a podcast uh, with Darren Doctorman, and it, it is uh, the uh, Inglorious Trexperts and he is one of the guys who worked on the original restoration under the supervision of Star Trek the Motion Picture director Robert Wise, and was able to deliver uh, Robert Wise's ultimate vision. In fact, you know he was you know so thrilled Robert Wise with what they turned out because you know I don't know if people remember this or not, but when Star Trek The Motion Picture came out, it wasn't finished. There were unfinished special effects in the movie. You could sit there watching it in the theater and see edges of the set because they hadn't finished the movie. Um, And, you know, when they did the DVD special release director's cut, they, you know, finished some things out, and it was just magnificent. Well, I, there were still, you know, things that were not as brilliant as they needed to be, and I, I just – I cannot wait to watch it in 4K.
1: Same here. Next time we podcast, we will be probably talking about it. I think one of the things that helps is that I don't have to split my time between disco and uh, – And Picard anymore? I tell you what, that was rough, wasn't it? Two two episodes a week. I was like, ah, that's why we didn't record. Well, Uh, and
0: and and one episode really objectionable, and one episode really good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so so
1: so, uh, but yeah, I am looking forward to seeing Star Trek motion picture now that it's available. If you are a Paramount Plus subscriber, you can see it right now. Um, if you're a Paramount subscriber through Amazon Prime. You are going to have to search for it because it's a pain in the ass, just like anything else on Paramount Plus. Yeah, yeah, it but is, um, it it's is there.
0: Kind of, it is kind of a pain in the rear, but yeah, I am excited to watch that. Uh, we had some news, Paul. We had some Uh-oh. news about that uh, Picard show in season three. The uh, Next Generation cast is coming back, so we're going to get Marina Sirtis, Jonathan Frakes, Brent Spiner. We've seen all those guys before, but we're also going to get LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, and Gates McFadden.
1: Right, about the it, it same is time. very it is it is it is the original cast of of the next generation. I mean, essentially, right? I mean, obviously, Denise Crosby has not been announced, but they're getting the band back together. And I think one of the most intriguing things, and Aaron, have you seen the teaser trailer that they released? Not just the not just the written announcement, but the the trailer no, that came out
0: today. I did not.
1: There is a there is a little short trailer, and you know I was talking about this with the with I was cheating on you, Aaron. I was talking about Star
0: Trek what? with other people. You don't talk about Star Trek with other people.
1: I did. I didn't record it though. Uh-huh. Um, so one of the things I said is I'm going to be rather upset if this is you know <laughs> if this is all of them showing up to Picard's funeral. Or stopping, <laughs> right? You know that. Oh, yeah. Hey, we're getting the band back together, but it's cameos in the last episode, <laughs> or something like that. But um, you know, I said hopefully what it is is this is one last ride, right? Getting the band back together right. for one last adventure. And if you watch the teaser trailer, that is very much what they are indicating is what what is on on deck. That this is this is the season three cast announcement, not hey these characters will appear. Right during season three well this is the season three cast
0: everything i've heard about season three indicates that the story from season two carries forward yeah and i can imagine
1: so i mean we're only a few episodes left in season two and we're at uh, the halfway point right we have five more to go is it 10 episodes or eight
0: i thought it was 10 i thought i I thought picard was 10 and disco is 13
1: yeah okay you're probably right So we're halfway through
0: but you know uh I, I got to tell you they haven't announced it but I I would be I would be astounded if Will Wheaton doesn't make it in there before the end of the Picard series. I mean, yeah, I, he he is so tight with CBS Paramount. Uh I just have a hard time believing that they don't somehow get him back in a space suit and let him uh you know play with his uh, Star Trek friends.
1: I'm sure and he's on that he hopes that Ready Room show. He does. He does.
0: But and, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I I'm 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 really excited, and I'm also excited. That, I mean, they've already shot season three. You know, yeah. we're not going to have to wait two more, two years after the end of uh, Picard season two to get Picard season three. We'll probably get it early 2023. Would be my guess, which is exciting.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, the fact that they not only did they film season two and three, we knew they were filming season two. Right. I didn't know they were filming season three simultaneously, yeah. so they filmed both and. And on top of that, Season 3 features the Next Generation cast, and it's already filmed. Yeah. So it's, it, it feels like, you know, they, well, one of the things that I guess COVID helped with is you could film things in secret.
0: Yeah, nobody um, would know. You know yeah. uh, <laughs> that no one would know, yeah.
1: because you lived in bubbles and things like that. But, <laughs> yeah, so it, it is super exciting. You know, and I think this is, you know, when they first announced Picard, I think a lot of people were really hopeful that this is what we would get. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, and hopefully they are saving the best for last. I think everyone everyone is excited about this announcement. And yeah. you know, there's very few people. I'm like, hey, where's Kulmini, you know, in this announcement? Right, right. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Maybe they're saving him for the DS9.
0: Hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers well, you know, in, in our, uh, you know, Klingon Empire Star Trek show, he'll be in that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. He'll be, he'll be, he, he still looks good. He was on that uh That's he was right. on that Gangs of London show on That's right. AMC.
0: That's right. No so. Colm's still out there working. Yeah, he's, yeah, out he's there doing working. stuff. He can yeah. he can come back to Star Trek and drink some Ractigino. He can do right? that. Right? Yeah. Hire um, him.
1: That's all I'm saying. So card, season three. <laughs> I
0: I assume <laughs> you've seen the uh Strange New World trailer. I have. Um now you know I'm I am crazy excited for this show. Mm-hmm. But Uh-oh. there are two things that that are annoying me right now, and they continue. Well, three things. There are three things that annoy me right now. One. Hold well, on, can they, I guess one? Yeah, sure. Is one of them the portrayal of Christopher Pike as perhaps a little more comedic in nature? You know, I don't have a problem with that because he demonstrated his charisma in Disco. So, I'm fine sure. with that. Uh-huh. You know I, I, and the, and the way I reconcile that is when we saw Christopher Pike on his enterprise, that was a moment in time and it was after a particularly hard mission. I do Fair. not expect that that is his entire life right there. So I don't have a problem with that. Um, okay. okay, so I was wrong. So what are the so what are your two issues? Three? I've got three issues. Three.
1: Oh, three. hold okay. on, let
0: me sit down. <laughs> First issue. I'm gonna say I'm gonna save the, the, the most important one for last. First issue. I feel like the cast has gotten too large. I am concerned about the discoveryization of Star Trek Enterprise. I feel like the success of Star Trek, the original series, was you had a core three guys and you know all the stories revolved around them and you had supporting cast who came in and, and helped with some of the action. We have added a ton of characters to this show. And, you know, I think part of the problem with Disco is that we never get to spend real quality time with most of, of those people on the bridge. Um, I, I, I That that really concerns me about what's happening with Strange you know, New Orleans.
1: I hear you. I hear you. I mean, for me, the cast doesn't feel particularly larger when you think about it in the sense of the original series or even the next generation. It doesn't feel particularly larger than that. Yeah, I, I think the core cast is probably still going to be your say your three to five characters that you see all the time, and then they'll interject, you know, some well, of the side I characters. But th- I you know I don't feel like they're all so they've main characters.
0: They've you know obviously you've got Spock number one, Captain Pike. Yeah. and Then you've got Doctor Mabenga, Then you've mm-hmm. got uh, Lu, uh Inc- I'm sorry, Cadet Uhura. Right. Yep. Uh, you've got I want to say uh, Cortez. I think was the name of the woman who's a pilot. Um, yeah, I, think I, that, I, I think that's her name. I, I'm sure we're going to get letters. Um, you've got uh, uh, Nurse Chapel. Nurse Chapel. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I understand that you're excited about Nurse Chapel. Yes, 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 I am. Now, was that the spinoff show you were hoping for? That is the spinoff <laughs> show. Ortegas, by the way. Orteg- Lieutenant Ortegas. Okay.
1: <laughs> but, um, yes, Nurse Chapel. I mean, I'm, I, that is the that would be an opportunity <laughs> to present a different type of Star Trek uh-huh. show than I think most would be expecting.
0: Uh-huh. Star Trek CBS, Nurse Chapel, Star Trek Nurse, Nurse Chapel, Nurse. Medicine Woman.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd watch it. I'm, it just, I'm lined up now.
0: Okay, so that was my that was my 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 third issue. My second issue is that they went and changed the uniforms from what the Enterprise crew was wearing in Discovery. And I thought that the the uniforms in Discovery were really attractive. I really liked them. I don't hmm. much care for. I I think I would like the uniforms more that I'm seeing in the in the uh, teasers. If the black undershirt they were wearing was more of a mock turtleneck, it's just it's coming down too low, and you're seeing too much of their of their neck. I just I, – there's something about that that it reminds me of first season Next Generation um, and how, you know, there wasn't much going on around the collarbone. Um, now, there is an image of number one in like a quarter zip. that I'm like, okay, that's hot. I like that. In fact, I want that quarter zip. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the regular uniforms, I'm just not wild about. And it's got everything to do with what's going on in the neck area. And Paul – my number one issue with strange number one
1: and biggest biggest issue okay
0: what is up with the fucking pompadour on captain pike (laughs) i mean he has he is spending far too much time doing his hair in the morning i it is hard for me to respect a man who spends that much time in front of the mirror i'm just saying i i I don't care for it i I you're fine you're fine i do not care for it
1: you're fine
0: What's going to happen when he's on an away mission and he doesn't have his, his, uh, his... uh, Pomade. His pomade. Yes. His (laughs) dippity (laughs) do. Yeah. What's going to happen, Paul, if he doesn't have a can of Aquanet there to to, to, help? What what happens if he doesn't have his round brush? That's my question.
1: He'll put on a hat like the rest of us.
0: (laughs) I want to see him in a ball cap.
1: A ball cap.
0: A ball cap with hair just kind of flaring out at the side. That's what I want to (laughs) see Well, I, I want to see Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds. I, I just can't wait, but Paul, the only good thing I can say about <laughs> Star Trek Discovery season four is that it is over.
1: It is over and I like I said, I no longer have to split my time because <laughs> I will tell you I prioritized watching Discovery. Um, those last few weeks where there was overlap, I'm like, okay, well let me finish off the discovery season rather than you know committing to Picard. Um, I mean I was I had already committed to Picard in my heart mm-hmm. but in my time I was like let me finish Disco se- the Disco season and then I'll and then I'll get caught up on Picard. Uh, I think that I did that for like the last two episodes or something. And um you know I, we're, we're not going to spend a ton of time on on Disco because it's over it's been over for a few weeks now. I I think one of the things that I will say about it is that it um it, season 4 season four yes season four is the one we just finished was in a show as inconsistent as disco where i was already struggling with it season four was the worst by a a margin
0: Um, Yeah, there is a statistically significant deviation in quality from seasons one through three and season four Mm-hmm. I would stack up any of the the you know one through three against season four any day of the week season four of uh of uh disco is without a doubt in my mind the worst season of star trek ever produced
1: i i i would probably agree with that and I think one of the you know here's the thing when when it happened at the end of disco season three it didn't really ping on me mm hmm um, but now that we've had two seasons of of this, the way that disco season three and season four ended were actually quite similar you know presented very differently but actually quite similar in that the stakes were almost entirely off screen and the season was resolved via conversation rather than action or adventure And you know I think in, in the case of disco season four, it was more prevalent for me because, it was very much a show don't tell aspect of mm-hmm. Earth and Navarre are under you know are going to be in danger. They're going to be wiped out. They're going to be wiped out. Meanwhile, the crew is you know figuring out how to emoji talk right with the C oh species ten uh, C species 10c uh-huh. you know they're like communicating via emojis and talking and taking their time and they're like it's going to take some time it's like but you don't have time and there was no stakes there was no suspense over those last few episodes and and, uh, and and to the to the point where really the only character who died and i'm not saying characters need to die but the only character who died was
0: the one that we knew was going to die which is that bad
1: doctor guy
0: yeah bad scientist yeah. guy and, well and uh, you don't even i mean in all honesty because it's TV, you can't even say that he died because you didn't see him die. Yeah, you didn't right? see him die. You assume he's dead because well, how is he going to escape from that? But, you know, they could very well bring him into another into another show. Scene. I beamed out at the last moment.
1: Um, yeah. Well, and I will tell you, when Book Fake died mm-hmm. and then came back, I said, if this show ends without Book in prison, right. I will be very upset. And,
0: and it didn't.
1: I wanted... <laughs> you-
0: I wanted to see Book frog marched off the bridge. I mean I wanted to I wanted to see Burnham call security up and order him taken to the brig. That's what I wanted to see. I wanted to and see how is
1: that not how is that not how it ended? I know. Essentially they basically gave him a smack on the hand and they're like, Well intent has something to do with it. I'm like, The hell it does Right. He, oh, well, everything he did stole, you know, stole and destroyed vital Starfleet, yeah. you know, science, put everyone in the galaxy in danger with his action to you know, and and I'm like, and they're like, ah, but you know, his intent was good. Yeah. No, 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 no. Come on, yeah, like well,
0: that, that was just ridiculous to me. Yeah i i wanted I wanted to see that as a moment for Burnham to to really get, get more rigid in her thinking, you know, that, that, you know, placing duty over her heart. Cause she very much all season placed heart over duty. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see her that the lesson she took away from it is I can be a good captain or I can be a good girlfriend. I can't do both. Right. Which is the, the lesson that every other captain in Star Trek history has kind of already known. But it's something she's had to learn, and she hasn't learned the lesson. And I wanted to see her – I wanted to see the president be prepared to give that order, but Michael Burnham give it herself. I yeah. mean, I was just so ready. Slap that man in the brig. And I wanted to see Book go, but Michael, you know, and just her turn her back on him. That's what I wanted to see. I didn't want to see, well, he's going to go to summer camp and, uh, you know, think real hard about what he did. I, I – I – I hated the season. I, I can't. Too. And think... you
1: know, and I will. You know, before we leave the book and, and Burnham thing, because uh-huh. we've been talking, we've been we, we've been beating that to death all season, right? Now, obviously, people could say, you know, oh, that's such a man thing to say. I, I, absolutely. Yeah. But when Book Fake died, because uh-huh. no one, everyone knew he wasn't dead, and Burnham broke down emotional on the bridge, mm-hmm. I was like. You are the captain. I know, right? <laughs> if you need to do that, hold oh, your composure and go to your private quarters and break down there. And I would have been fine when she broke down on the bridge in front of everyone and the, the president had to console her. Uh huh. I was like, um, like, I mean, I knew we were already having issues with Burnham being a shitty captain, for mm-hmm. lack of a better way of saying yeah. it. But, you know, in that moment, I was like, wow, like your crew, just like your boyfriend died. Yeah. Literally... All of their families are about to die right well, now. And and they, and they abandoned
0: they abandoned all of their families, what, a thousand years back? Yeah. Well, there's before that. Michael Burnham. Yeah. You know, I mean the the level of commitment that her crew has demonstrated versus hers. You know, she is not fully committed when she's, you know, willing to let Book have some slack. You know, when she's not willing to, you know, pump a couple of photons up his ass, (laughs) you know, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I just, I feel like the writer's room is just so completely deaf to what Star Trek is all about and what duty and honor are all about. They're so interested in telling stories about their trauma. And, you know, I'm sorry, your trauma means nothing unless you're learning from it. Yeah. And I don't feel like there were any lessons learned. You know, I mean, at at no point does anybody say, well, maybe next time. Book, I hope you learned your lesson. You won't steal shit next time. Burnham, I hope you learned something. I hope you learned that, you know, you you need to arrest your boyfriend when you have the opportunity. You know, I mean, it was super frustrating. It was super frustrating. So I... Like I said, worst I, – I mean, I, I know people will say, Aaron, the first season of Next Generation was, was the worst uh, season of Star Trek. And that's just not true because there are a couple of really good episodes. And, and I, it, I would revisit that ten times before I revisited the oh, season I can't imagine ever watching this season again. No. It was just awful. It was just awful. But, hey, we're going to cleanse our palates. We're going to move on. And talk about some of that good Star Trek Picard and Paul. I, you and I really haven't talked about it since the first episode, but I am deeply enjoying this this season.
1: I am too, and you know, I, I alluded to this earlier. I think one of the things that that I like about this season, one is, you know, I, I had mentioned, uh, you know, <clears throat> a Caprica esque show set in the uh, the Star Trek universe. We're kind of getting that a little bit. <clears throat> with um brett spiner's character you know trying to save his daughter and the lengths he's willing to go right we're seeing the the start of something here um you know i think we're we're seeing a lot here that's really interesting um the acting is is solid all around um you know i think for for me it feels cohesive the now, obviously, we're only halfway through. I don't feel like it's dragging anything out longer than no. than necessary. It, it feels like it's
0: moving at a pretty quick clip. You know, yeah, I mean, but I, it feels I, like I mean, it, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, you know, we're not we're not staying anywhere over long, but we're also doing stuff while we're there. Yes.
1: Um,
0: you know, I, I I was really impressed with with how the story is engaging characters who really ought not be there uh mm-hmm. you know like for instance i thought we were done with laris this season yeah. but of course you know we, it's not laris but it's the actor who plays laris and i'm really curious how they're going to explain why those two look alike <laughs> you know yeah
1: is it a a q thing or is it something yeah. else is laris maybe not what we thought
0: i you know when i will confess that when we learned that John Delancey would be reprising his role as Q, I was like, okay, well, this is going to be kind of a typical Q episode, but stretched over 10. Oh, my God, that's going to be rather tedious. But I think they've done a really smart move in throwing Q into the Jeopardy, that something's wrong with Q. He's off. This isn't the guy we know. He's dangerous. He's dark. He's not He's not mm-hmm. giddy fun anymore. Um, you know the scene where he is sitting behind uh, Rene Picard, and he you know snaps his fingers, and you're expecting the flash of light, and nothing happens, and he's like, "Well, that's unexpected." Uh, yeah. I, I all of a sudden this dread sort of rolls over, uh, you know, the show, and I'm like, I'm like, this is so fucking cool. Yeah. It's, my, um, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say it, it very
1: much, and I think there is actually a. Perhaps an allusion too in this in this week's upcoming episode, it's very much a spiritual successor, which Star Trek has continuously tried to do Mm -hmm. since Star Trek IV: The Voyage Home, the one with the whales. It is very much a spiritual success with the whales, but it's very much a spiritual successor to that. uh, I find in that you know it, it it talks about. It's a world only a few years removed from our own, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute, because that's one of my major issues with this season. Mm-hmm. Um, not far removed from our own time-wise, um, but you know, still experiencing some of the same issues: immigration and, and those types of things, pollution, homelessness, et cetera. And they talk you know, and they show those things, but it still has. You know, while, while also talking about those issues, it still has the cat, you know, the fish out of water syndrome of these future people in the present. It's also got a lot of fun and excitement with the car chases Mm -hmm. and and stuff like that. And I I think the series, despite the fact that I am very much looking forward to the return of the next generation crew, I think that introducing other characters like Seven and Rafi, um, (laughs) allow for a certain type of action that you couldn't have with the next generation crew mm-hmm. and Picard at their age. Um, You know, and so you're, you're getting a little bit more of that excitement than you would if it was just Picard. And so I, you know, their, their purpose is, is that for me a little bit more clear in this, this season. Now, bef- I, I, I have two pretty major issues. Um But I, but I, before I go into the mirror what, is there
0: anything you wanted to say? Uh, you know, there's a lot that I've enjoyed about uh Picard. I, I, I gotta tell you, I, I, Leah, they announced that Leah Thompson was directing two episodes back to back Oh yeah, uh, episodes mm-hmm. four and five, I think. Um, and I was like, I don't know what to think about that. And she was fantastic. She's the one who directed that spectacular car chase scene with, yeah. uh, seven and Rafi. Um, I was blown away. I don't, I've said this before. I don't like car chases. It is really unique for a car chase to entertain me. And I was deeply entertained. Um, I, I thought that the action in those scenes was spectacular. I am all in on Leah Thompson directing shit from now on, because I uh, I don't think I've ever seen anything she's directed before. Apparently, she's done some CW shows. In fact, I saw her interview with uh, uh, Will Wheaton on The Ready Room. And oh, Wheaton. Will, Will Wheaton. Will um, <laughs> Wheaton. But, you know, Jeff Johns helped her get this gig. He called over really? to talk to, you know, the showrunner and said, you know, hey, you know, she can handle this. And they're like, well, you know, we've got a twofer. You know, they're doing a block. And he's like, hey, she's done that over here. She can handle it. Uh, and she did a great job. I, I just I enjoyed her episodes ever a bit as much as i usually enjoy jonathan frakes episode except discovery season four
1: um <laughs> well when that brings up a funny point because then you know she directed two episodes and then jonathan frakes directed an episode in which she cameoed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um you know as this panel in front of and i'm sorry i forget brent spiner's character's name off the top of my head um oh, uh, Adam Sung. Sung. yeah so um and did you notice who was sitting next to her no who's sitting next to her Dr. Vasily Roshanko. Um And if the name doesn't ring a bell, it's Worf's adopted parents had...
0: Oh, it's uh, yeah, Rosh- the last name was yeah. Roshanko. Yeah. Roshenko. yeah. So same name,
1: spelled the same way, uh, huh. is the doctor on the panel with uh, Leah Thompson's cameo. I did not catch that. I was so
0: focused on, that's Leah Thompson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? <laughs> I was so focused on Roshenko, I didn't notice it was Leah Thompson. Someone was that's like, hysterical. oh, did you notice Leah Thompson in the episode? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, she, she, the, the, the directing on this show has been good. Uh, okay, so two major issues here. Okay, hit me. The show is set in 2024. That's correct. We have a long way to go in our technology. <laughs> if, 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 uh, if we are to have some of the technology that is displayed here in 2024, and I don't mean all of it, but I am referring to Dr. Soong's umbrella droids. That protect his daughter um, yeah. from the sun. Are like, you telling?
0: On. Are you telling me that Elon Musk doesn't have that? Come on, umbrella Paul.
1: droids. I get, don't think. Get he real, does. Paul. Get real. Maybe he does. Maybe get he does. real. Well, that 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 definitely took me out of the moment. Because I'm like, hold on. Yeah, now, the I rest felt of the technology is okay. Like, there's they haven't really thrown anything out there other than that.
0: Yeah, I felt like there was a better real world solution to that than the, I I feel like drones holding like an aluminum foil tarp or something, you know I mean? I just, I felt like there was a better, literally to put
1: the screens down on your patio, you know, something like that, you know, a little bit more realistic. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. So that was issue one. Issue one. But that was, that was a small one. So I guess I should call it my issue two. My issue one for me, it was in this latest episode was
0: that Girati
1: mm-hmm. betrayed them
0: again? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, Jira- I mean, you think that the Borg Queen is the Chaos Agent? It's Girati. Girati's yeah. bad. You don't She what? Girati in season one. one literally killed her boyfriend, uh-huh. and they. but nobody seems her. to have. Oh, I was... Nobody seems to have problems with.
1: No, that, but I now mean, she's, you know, sacrificed herself to the Borg Queen. Not sacrificed herself, but you know, kind of accepted the Borg Queen and hasn't told anybody about it. And I'm like, why does why why is this the only role that they have for this character? Because I actually like Doctor Gerati
0: quite a bit. I, I have enjoyed her quite a bit this season, but yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you know they they are certainly painting her character into a corner uh, in terms of yeah. trust for the and, and you know they they'll all, they'll all ex, you know excuse it by going, oh, she was impacted by the Borg, and to be honest, at no point should she been left alone. I mean, there's just, there's no good reason to have left her alone. I don't understand why they sent three people to LA, you know, Rio, Seven, and Rafi at the beginning of the, of, of the LA adventure. Why they, why didn't they just send two? Why didn't they just send Rafi and, and Seven and left, you know, Rios back at the ship? I don't get. You know,
1: that. the pilot, maybe, maybe uh-huh. leave your pilot with
0: the ship. You uh-huh. know. Yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, make I mean, any I sense. understand. You know, it was, you know, it sets up for the
1: immigration storyline. I mean, I, I have other than those two complaints. Really, I would say maybe the technology thing one is a little minor, but the 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 Girati thing actually did bug me because mm. I felt like. We saw that turn already in season one, and it was hard enough for me to accept it, especially because I didn't love season one. Right. It was hard enough for me to accept that, hey, yeah, like, oh, now she's joking and hanging out with the crew. And it's like, hold on, she just killed a man. Um, And then to see her turn again, it's like, like you said, they're painting themselves into a corner that the character becomes irredeemable. Yeah. Um, And maybe that's the point. You know, maybe maybe this is Gerardi's last season, because I don't see how... She continues to come back from this just to be her usual jovial self in season three. But, I mean,
0: other than that, I I am genuinely, genuinely enjoying so much of this season. You know, I saw somebody online make the comment that what we need is a Captain Rios spinoff series. And I disagree. Because as much as I like the actor who's playing Rios, I think Rios is a spectacularly bad captain. Um, you know, he was so passive on the scenes on uh, Stargazer. Um, I don't feel like he's making great decisions uh, mm-hmm. here in uh, LA, even though I find them amusing and I like him. I think he's got a lot of charisma, but the writing for Rios is not particularly strong, whereas the writing for Rafi and Seven is great. Um, and I really think they're playing to Jerry Ryan's uh, str- strengths because she has got a really. Uh, strong comedic bone. You know, mm-hmm. she she is really able to do comedy. That was true in Voyager. It's true now. Uh, they're letting her show her range as opposed to being somber, brooding Jerry Ryan as, as Seven of Nine. I'm digging that. Um, I just, I want to see more from Rios before I jump on the Rios bandwagon because I just, I found him, I found him objectionable uh, on Stargazer. I also, I feel like Star Trek makes its best commentary about society when it's in the shape of metaphor. And so the very direct commentary about how fucked up ice is bugs me a lot. Uh, it just seems very preachy. I mean, it almost turns it feels like they're turning to camera. Yeah,
1: ice sucks, you
0: guys. Those of you at home, ice sucks.
1: I didn't mind that in the sense of it being a time travel storyline. You know, I mean, I for I, I, I genuinely... It is more on the nose yeah. than Star Trek usually is, but because of, like I said, this clearly being an intentional spiritual successor, successor to some of the previous time travel storylines uh-huh. like home especially Voyage on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um I didn't mind it. You know, I, well, I, I, I was okay with it.
0: I, I again, I these are minor quibbles on my part. I'm very much enjoying Picard. Uh, I can't wait to see where it goes, and they've already proven me wrong. I said last time we got together that the Watcher was going to be Will Wheaton. You know, he's a traveler. Uh, you know, it's going to be Wesley Crusher. He's a traveler. Um, that's not the case. The, uh, the Watcher is the, the actor who plays Laris and, uh, we're learning more about her. Um, we got to see Young Guinan. I thought the, the casting for Young Guinan was fantastic, but I'm also confused because Guinan doesn't know who Picard is and they met in, uh in the early nineteen hundreds or earlier with uh, mark and the Mark Twain episode
1: yeah I did You know, that 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 is a question. And I'm wondering if they're going to address that or yeah, if it I has mean, been addressed online. I haven't researched I,
0: I hate that episode uh for a number of different reasons and i'm i'm I am reluctant to go back and watch it. But I feel like I'm going to have to because I'm like, did they did they leave that episode and white people's memories? Because I don't think Guinan did. I thought that that episode, as I recall, was branded as when Guinan met Picard. And I think if, if you take that that episode into account, you then have to explain why Guinan is so much younger now than she was in that episode. So here's the thing. And
1: uh, let me not pretend like I know this, like I didn't just research this um, <laughs> while you were talking. Right. The, the showrunner has stated that the reason this guyman of this timeline does not recognize Picard is that because in this timeline that they've traveled to the past in, that Star Trek Next Generation episode hasn't actually happened. Right. Because the, 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 oh, the timeline because they has changed been altered. the future. That makes yeah.
0: sense. So that this guy does
1: not know Picard because okay. that has that 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 didn't actually happen in the future of this timeline.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Time i can travel. live with that.
1: I can live Tricky. with that.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And, you no, know what? That does and make I will sense. say for for the, that that showrunner to answer the question that way, uh Terry Metallis, smart. Good on you, Terry. Well,
0: I you know, but what I wish they would have done is spoken to that in the show. They're yeah, like, "Why don't you know me?" And yeah, oh, yeah, I mean it would have been a
1: 15 second answer.
0: That's right. That's right. I also let me something else that bugs me is that her bar is called Ten Forward. Well, the 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 lounge on Next Gen was called Ten Forward because the bar is located on the forward deck of Deck Ten.
1: Yeah. Now that that, 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 I don't think they
0: have a way out of that one. I I'm just like okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is just silly. But uh, I gotta say, I'm I'm really these are minor, minor quibbles. Uh, Thank you. See, this is why I have a podcast, so I can learn these things. I have you go out and read the internet, explain things to me. It's great. That's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, we want to know what you think of star trek picard what you thought of star trek discovery what you're excited about in strange new worlds and all the other treks that are coming give us a call 972-763-5903 that number once again 972-763-5903 and if we use your voicemail on the show you could win a coveted valuable ideology of madness surprise
1: well and also if you are listening to this podcast in the week of its release this coming weekend I think, yeah, um, this coming weekend, so we're recording this on April 5th, this coming weekend in Chicago is Star Trek Mission
0: Chicago. Uh, that's right, Mission
1: Chicago. So we will have plenty of news to discuss next time we're on the mics, but if you attend, definitely let us know in the aforementioned phone number or by hitting us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Make sure you're following us there because we will certainly be talking about the news there as well.
0: You know, we uh, did not book uh, tickets to uh, Mission Chicago because, you know, life. Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe what we'll do, Paul, is we'll uh, venture out to the Guardian of Forever and jump back in time to uh, visit Star Trek: Mission Chicago. I feel like that would be apropos. I feel like we should. I think do so. That. I think so. We totally should do that. All right. Well, hey, maybe we'll actually record this uh, this show again next week and not take like a five week hiatus. Well, we have news to discuss, Aaron. News to discuss. We we, got to do it. We got to do it. And then Jellystone. And then (laughs) Jellystone. Any day. (laughs) Bye, guys. Take care. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by... Try Skellion Trays. No Troublesome Tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade.